0: Pucks with Hags is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my stuff at joehaggerty.substack.com. And I encourage you uh, to take the premium membership where you can read uh, more of the stuff that I write about the Boston Bruins in the NHL post something just about every day during the week with me today first time on the pucks with hags podcast boston.com's connor ryan connor thanks very much for joining us absolutely thanks for having me how's how's your summer been
0: pretty good uh pretty low-key now that we've gotten past the the waves of retirements and all on all those things i think uh Bruins fans fans probably traumatized after this summer i think it's starting to wind down a little bit i think as you said the uh, summer's ending now summer camp's over We're starting to get back into the swing of things i'm I'm looking forward to it joe it's, it's no more of waiting through the summer and seeing what's uh what's next for the bruins We get to finally get to training camp see what goes on moving forward so
1: yeah i'm definitely looking forward to, to it it has been a little bit of sort of pain uh this this summer yeah. a little more than usual with the retirements and uh some long time standbys going on one thing that's not painful is the sponsors for the show let's uh, thank them really quick. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, as always, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Network. We always got to give them tons of props, especially with football season coming up now that hockey season's around the corner as well. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. And Factor Meals, not only a pitchman, also a client. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, ready in two minutes or less. Uh, if you really want to hurry it up in the microwave, but head to factor dot com slash hags 50 and use code hags 50 to get 50% off of your first box delicious meals. Uh, I've had a bunch of them pork chops Indian uh, butter chicken which was phenomenal, a uh, bunch of different stuff very healthy and also delicious so factor dot com they're my friend they should be yours too. all right Connor. Let's jump right into this. um, First, biggest news item uh, with the Bruins over the last week. And I'm sure you would love to talk about this. A former BU product, another one coming to the Bruins, Alex Chasen. Uh, This is a guy that the Bruins, yeah, (laughs) count up those Terriers. There's a lot of them. There's like a Terriers Mafia going on right now. There you go. Uh, This is a guy that um, the Bruins have liked for a long time, going back to when they had the Tyler Sagan trade in 2013 that was a guy they were trying to get from dallas i think they ended up settling for matt fraser instead but the guy they really liked was alex chasen we've heard his name a couple of times associated with the bruins makes sense he's, he's a power play guy he's a big winger six foot four you know he's been fairly productive if you look at him as like kind of a third line sort of option uh for your nhl roster uh was was with the red wings a little bit of last season about 20 games or so Just your take on this uh here on a pto uh, which is a tryout agreement during training camp. So no guarantees he gets a roster spot, but how do you think he uh, fits into the mix going into training camp?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think if you're the Bruins, and you're just looking to kind of stockpile that forward depth and looking for, you know, leaving no stone unturned when, you, when it comes to looking at adding depth to this team, it doesn't hurt to bring in a guy like him on a PTO. As you said, he's a bit of a journeyman. He's been around quite a bit, but where he's gone, he's been pretty productive in terms of what his role is. If you're looking for just a third or a fourth line guy that. You can kind of pencil in on the, the net front on the power play, maybe on the second power play unit and generate some offense. It's worth giving a, a flyer on a guy like that that as you said has been linked to the Bruins before. They like him and they like his skill set as a guy who's six three, six four can be productive in those roles. Um, so if, if you're looking for a guy just to add to that competition, that's one thing that feels like every training camp, whenever you know Don Sweeney has his, you know, his press conference to lead off training camp, it's always talking about internal competition, something they always talk about every year going into camp. So adding a uh, guy like Chase on into the mix who can kind of uh, further push other guys, add competition, to maybe some of the younger guys into the lineup doesn't hurt a few the Bruins. If you can bring the guy into the mix and seeing what you really have in him.
1: Yeah. And, and one other thing I like about this is I think they did need to bring maybe another forward or two in because of James Van Riemsdyk, his recent history, you know, a lot of injuries has missed a lot of time. I, you know, let's say he gets banged up in training camp and isn't ready to start the year. I think you have your head, your bets a little bit. If you have a guy like Alex chasing around that you can plug into a winger spot and, you know, maybe you have to rearrange the, the deck chairs a little bit to make it work with him. If, if Reamsdyke is out, but that's one of the things I've kind of looked at with this Bruins plan and the guys that they've brought in is that, Unless they had some other options, some other veteran options, uh, and and in a pinch, he could certainly play a second-line winger role. Let's say JVR starts the year there, gets hurt, something happens, and you want to bring a guy like this in. I think it's good to have that kind of insurance in case injuries hit at the wing spots where – Having traded uh, Taylor Hall, having lost uh, some other players in free agency, maybe your depth is not, as far as NHL players go, what it once was. And this is a guy you bring in and would give you instant depth if you can keep him around after training camp.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something where you look at just the Bruins giving themselves options. Uh, As soon as that, you know, they announced the PTO deal, you have people worried about like, oh, the Bruins are – if it's any year where you're bringing up some some younger players to, you know, fight for a spot in the lineup, it's this year, and you're signing these veteran guys, it's like, well, have those guys earn it, right? Everyone wants to yeah. talk about a guy like Fabian Lysel or these guys that, of course, everyone is intrigued by them. They're these kind of shiny new prospects that you hope can crack a spot on the roster, but it's not a guarantee, right? You need someone to push them throughout these games. You can't just give a guy like Lysel, uh, you know, the expectation going into it that he's going to seize one of those spots and just... Hope it happens. You need some of these veteran guys like Chase on who can push them. And if Lysel can put together a really strong camp, a good preseason and fight for those spots, that's great. He's earned it. But I, I think it's important to have these uh, veteran guys up there that if these younger guys don't step up, the spot's there. And I think Chase, it's not like he's this like project or this guy that's a fringe player. Like he's kind of proven out of these various stops that if you put him in a certain role, he's going to produce. So there's value in that, especially if you're the Bruins you're signing him to a PTO deal.
1: Yeah. And I I think um, Merkulov has become the trendy guy now with the Bruins fans that they think is going to win a spot and all of a sudden push for, I think, you know, Lysel has lost a little bit of the luster in, uh, you know, the last year, year and a half or so, like obviously still talented, was a former first round pick, but it seems like coming off a year where Merkulov was second in the AHL in rookie scoring. Uh, definitely, you know, showed a lot of promise. Was one of Providence's best players. He's almost becoming that sort of it prospect now, where yeah. uh, they're pinning a lot of hopes on. But uh, I'm with you. When we actually have a question from a fan, I'm gonna we're gonna get to a little bit later on Twitter. That kind of encapsulates that feeling uh, that you're mm-hmm. talking about and that sentiment pretty perfectly. Uh, but Alex Jason, I think there's no there's no downside with a guy like this. Do you foresee any other? Um, potential uh, PTO kind of guys. I'd thrown a few out there a couple of weeks ago. Paul Stasny was one that maybe made potential sense because he can play center. He's a veteran guy. He's a good two-way player. Uh, but but any, you know, and, and center I thought was somewhere they may bring somebody in in a PTO just given the players that they have right now. And throwing another player into that mix certainly wouldn't hurt, even though you've got Jesper Boquist, Morgan Geeky, Pavel Zaka, Charlie Coyle. Uh, certainly Trent Frederick could factor into that. Mark McLaughlin, Johnny Beecher, there's a lot of guys right now that are going to be in the mix uh, for possible center spots going into training camp. Do you foresee any other PTOs uh, at this point with training camp around the corner?
0: Yeah, I, I think if you're the Bruins, you're trying to stockpile as much depth as you can, so I think Stadsey's a guy that makes a lot of sense if you're just looking for any more additional help down the middle. It's, it's something where, as you said, there are plenty of options to turn to, but is it kind of clear cut where those guys are going to fall into the lineup or which guys can kind of perform in those set roles? So I think if you're the Bruins and you have the ability to bring in a few more guys, it doesn't hurt as you're trying to figure out where exactly these guys fall into the lineup. Like I think people have talked about a guy like Geeky as someone who could probably produce more in regular minutes. But other than that, like you're looking at, you know, a Patrick Brown or, uh, you know, even younger players, uh, Johnny Beach or what have you. If you're looking for a set spot further down the lineup, guy like Stasny who again has kind of carved out a role as a pretty dependable third fourth line center doesn't hurt bringing them in if you have the opportunity to do it so I think yeah targeting guys down the middle on PTO deals seems like a smart move just to round out what's already a, a pretty deep forward core in terms of just the amount of various ways they can kind of tinker with this lineup am going into training camp
1: yeah they, they definitely have numbers there's no question about that it's just a matter of how these guys are going to fit and how well they're going to perform geeky to your point. I I think they definitely have high hopes for him Yeah, um, that he's going to produce more uh, in a, perhaps a bigger role with a few more minutes than, than what he was playing with before and that he can still elevate his game. And he's not quite a a finished product at the NHL level. You know, we'll see though, when you, when you start projecting all these guys into greater roles, bigger things, you know, you're reaching a little bit or you're asking for more, you're not necessarily going to get and you better be prepared if you don't get what, what you think you're going to get it's the same with charlie coyle and, and zaka you know they're going to be okay. elevating into roles too um that, that are beyond what they've done in the past and they're going to be asked to do more this year than they've ever done before and you're basically asking i'd say every center on your roster to do more than they've ever done before and that's for that position with that kind of responsibility and, and the, the players that they're replacing it's a huge ask um and you know that leads into uh Next topic, and I was watching NHL Network this morning with my son before we went to camp, and uh, it was Jameson Coyle and Mike Rupp, and they were sort of rehashing some things, some some rumors, some discussions, some all this stuff from the summer. And one of the things that Rupper brought up was Mark Shifley on the Bruins, and they even had the line charts out with Shifley as the top line center for the Bruins. Uh, they, by the way, they had Jesper Boqvist as a fourth line center on their uh, line projections, which was interesting. Uh, Patrick Brown was nowhere to be found. That's probably why I forgot <laughs> to even mention him when I was yes. talking center yes. Even though he's in there, and I think he's a good penalty killer faceoff guy. Like, there's things that he brings to the table that may bring value to a, a winning hockey team. Um, but they talked about Shifley going to the Bruins, and if that's going to get revisited now or during the season – and obviously, they they talked about a goalie going the other way, and Linus Elmark was the guy, again, that they talked about getting shipped to Winnipeg, which would, of course, be the carousel of Hellebuck also going somewhere as right. well. That would be a lot of dominoes to fall. Is, is that something um, that you see as a possibility? I mean, I know Scheifele, obviously, is a top-notch offensive player. He's still at an age where he can produce prodigious offensive numbers. Um, I, I like what he would bring as far as being able to play with the top wingers that the Bruins have and give you, you know, the kind of offensive production you were getting with Patrice Bergeron when he was here. Um, but you're also going to take a step back defensively. I don't think there's any question about that. He's not a two way center like Bergeron was, or even David Krejci was for that matter. Um, and also like I continue to want to avoid Winnipeg Jets players just because of the, the cloud that's been over that team for the last two or three years you know, Rick Bonus lost his mind at the end of the playoffs <laughs> last uh, spring yeah. when they were eliminated, basically, you know, intimating the players around him were not, you know, we're quitting, we're not competing, like he was frustrated with them. Paul Maurice basically quit on the team and then went to Florida and took them to the Stanley Cup final last year. And a lot of the comments that he was complimentary that Maurice was making about the Florida Panthers, about the players taking control of the room, about all that yeah. stuff. I also felt was kind of a backhanded slap at the Winnipeg jets and what he'd been dealing with before he went to Florida. And, and Shifley is absolutely in the middle of that mix as one of their best players. So there's trouble signs. There's things I don't like about it, but beggars can't be choosers if you're the Bruins and it turns into a, a thing where they absolutely need a legit NHL number one center. And that's the best guy available. You may have to do a deal with the devil. Yeah, I don't even want to think about the extension uh, that may come with that if they had to trade for a player like that and give a value for him. But is that something that you see as a possibility? Is that something you like? And if not, who is your guy uh, on the radar, off the radar, been discussed, not discussed, that you think would be the great target for the Bruins to go after as, as a potential uh, number one to bring in from the outside?
0: Yeah, I mean, Joe, I think you're going to hit the nail on the head with deal with the devil when it comes with uh, Shifley in terms of <laughs> like, listen, the the Bruins are desperate in terms of having a capable top six center. And Mark Shifley is that. And I you look at where that value is, I think it comes with just I think the positive domino effect of just having a guy that you can slot in there and how much it pushes guys further down the lineup. Like yep. probably Coyle in a pinch can hold um, to a top six spot. We saw it in the playoffs, but over 82 games asking a lot for a guy, right? Like the, the domino effect of having some of these guys slide back into roles where they're more catered to is huge. But if you're, you know, investing in a guy like Shifley to, to step into that role, yes, he's a guy who's coming off a 40-goal season, can drive play, put him with Pasternak, probably get good results. But when you look at just the other kind of warning signs there, whether it's the defensive game where, you know, if he's your guy next to Marchand and DeBrusque or Pasternak, it's an offense-only line, right? You all of a sudden you have, uh, you know, you obviously it's a big departure going from Bergeron to a line but like that. It's going to be, that's gonna, yeah, exactly. But especially like that, where you're going from top, uh, you know, two-way uh, grouping to a group that pretty much is going to be trading chances down the ice, and that's also including what exactly is like a Pavel Zaka line going to be as well, when they were kind of the same offensive-oriented uh, kind of grouping there as well. So you're sacrificing more defense, which if you look at the way this team is built. It's kind of going to have to be your foundation this year in terms of, yep. you know, your success has to be rooted in defense and goaltending. Um, the I think the the mantra or the the talk about the Winnipeg Jets in the locker room, pretty concerning. It's one thing if it's just one player, but it seems like it's just a stench kind of following that team. And again, you can preach all about the the Bruins, you know, culture and what they've have, but introducing that as kind of your savior or your another big addition. I feel like it's not something exactly you want to do with this team. That's already kind of going through a bit of a transition. Yes. They still have guys like Marsham. They talk about guys like, you know, McAvoy and Passenach who have been here for a while, but still adding this other voice into the room that has a lot of, uh, uh, narratives surrounding him. Not a huge fan of that. Again, beggars can't be choosers, but I think if you're the Bruins, whether it's, you know, waiting for, uh, more around the trade deadline, when hopefully things should open up more and teams aren't as, you know, uh, stuck against the cap or teams are, are you know holding on to assets more or just you know punting and waiting till next offseason when you know a guy like Elias Lindholm who I think is probably the the ideal yeah. target again you, you run the risk of like focusing in on these soon to be unrestricted free agents and who the hell knows happens between now and then in terms of whether they get traded, sign elsewhere, what have you. But I think that's a guy that if you're investing in the the next piece, no one's going to replace Price Bergeron, but if you find a guy that's a very capable two-way center that can give you 60, 70 points, can anchor a top six role, those should be the guys you're investing in as opposed to a guy like strike who can score you 40 goals will also probably be in the ice for 40 goals against. I just yeah. think it's not a guy worth investing in, in in that spot. But
1: Hey, everybody. Football season is just about to kick off, and what better place is there to go than FanDuel Sportsbook, our friends, At FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS network. They give you the chance to win all season long while the football is getting carried around, thrown in the end zone, kicked through the uprights, and all the gambling people can come out, all the fantasy people can come out and let it roll right now when you bet on a super bowl winner you can get bonus bets every time they win during the regular season just pick any team to win the super bowl that's right pick a team right now that you think is going to win the super bowl could it be the patriots could it be could it be uh, bill Belichick's swan song super bowl uh, victory who knows maybe you throw some money at that but right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win during the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, on player props, over-unders, and so much more. So just visit fanduel.com Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's fanduel.com slash Boston, and get going with the football wagers. You know you want to. Just go do it. And I do want to let you know that you need to be 21 and plus and present Massachusetts first online real money wager only $10 deposit required refund issued as non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days restrictions apply see terms at fanduel.com slash hope is here gambling helpline ma.org or call 800 327 5050 for 24 seven support. Pay, play it smart from the start gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234 well this is why um I feel like the trade deadline is the right time to do it or mid-season even if it's a little yeah. bit before the deadline deadline and and Sweeney has done a good job Don Sweeney has done a good job of you know preemptively making deals sometimes ahead of the deadline a week 10 days two weeks three weeks a month, even you know, to make, to get ahead of all the, you know, the the fracas that happens right around the, the actual trade deadline. But like we've seen this uh, in recent past, trades for Taylor Hall, signs him to an extension, trades for Hampus Lindholm, signs him to an extension. I, I think this could be part of the plan for the Bruins and the game plan this year is to go into the season, take a few months, maybe you're asking more out of guys than they're capable of over a long term, but at least get a few months into the season, see what you have. And then, you know, potentially Lindholm, potentially Shifley, you know, maybe even, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is available from the Edmonton Oilers, but there's some guys out there that maybe they're available and you can go and make that deal. Now, obviously, Nugent Hopkins is signed for a long time, so that's kind of a different uh, category, but Lindholm. And and Shifley, those are guys, rental players, you could bring in and do the same thing with them that you did with Lynn Holman Hall, where you trade, bring them in, maybe you give up a little bit more because you know there's an idea that they may stay in Boston, you know, and it's not necessarily a rental, uh, quote unquote, pure rental. And, and, you know, but you bring them in and they become the answer for the next three to four years. Which buys you some time to figure out your internal answer, your long term answer, your guy that's going to be the next Patrice Bergeron, whether you draft and develop or target somebody and and trade for them. But, you know, I do feel like Sweeney has shown us part of one of the things he's good at. Is targeting rental guys in the last year of their deals, trading for them when it's a need, and then making sure that all their ducks are in a row for the extension, you know, when they come in. And as long as it's a good fit, you see that happen and they become a part of the Bruins fold. So I I could see something like that happening with a legit frontline center to bring them in. You know, they just need to make sure that the guy's the right fit. And I'm with you. Uh, Lindholm, I think, is much more a Boston Bruins player than Shifley, especially for what they're going to be asking for a top center uh, to play in all situations, to play a 200 foot game, to potentially kill penalties, win faceoffs, in addition Mm -hmm. to producing offensively. Uh, And and it's going to be interesting to see how that um, that whole thing goes down. Uh, but I, I do think at the end of the day, they're probably going to need one of those guys at some point in this year. If there's going to be a, a come to Jesus moment with this Bruins team, yeah. and they say we're just not getting what we need out of the center position and we need to go get somebody else.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where this team the way they're built there can hang in, win two, one games, but you're going to have way too many of those games where I think it's going to be, you know, tight contests and just not having the offensive firepower of asking too much of a guy like, Coyle or even Zaka to continually get the most out of the kind of the talent they're surrounded with. So I think it's going to come at some point. It's, I think for Don Sweeney, it's all about just, you know, being patient, seeing what's out there and letting this market kind of develop. I think he saw it's been a trend kind of all throughout this off season of teams just don't have the financial leeway or they're too, uh, you know, hesitant yeah. to move on from prospects that if you wait until uh, the middle of the season, when teams get desperate, teams are looking to finally make a move part ways with guys that's when hopefully the market picks up, and whether it's a guy like Lindholm, as you said, or um, you know, I, I think that's the guy that makes the most sense. But again, I'm sure the Bruins covered him, but sure, do a whole bunch of other teams would probably value a guy like him more than a guy like Shifley. So that's also another you know, part of the battle. Is the Bruins always talk about you know this is the year finally they stop moving assets, they stop moving future draft capital or, or what have you? Might have to do it one more time if it gets to a guy like Lindholm. Which again, you kind of have to weigh that price. But considering that kind of the Main missing piece in terms of building a sustainable roster as part of this kind of retool they have in the post-Bertrand era. You just really need a top-line center somewhere in the mix there.
1: Enjoying seeing uh, snippets of the summer of Pasternak that we're getting through social media here. I, yes. He I, I was in Prague for a, a soccer game, uh, re- leading the, the rowdy hooligans in the in the crowd and in chance, and then apparently buying an entire round of drinks for everybody in his section or whatever was going on there. But, you know, we're we're seeing uh, bits and pieces of posture next summer here, whether it's pushing the baby carriage in Boston and seeing uh, Milan Lucic or this, uh, that it seems like he's having a, a great summer and he's going to be in a good frame of mind come, come September when training camp rolls around.
0: Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's like a, an annual tradition. I think it was the last year he was at like a tennis match and he was, po- or I think it was a soccer match and, over yes. in Prague, and he was partying there too. I feel like that's again—it's one of the the signs the season's almost here. It's like late <laughs> August, Paus is doing his annual tour around Prague and, and enjoying life and getting ready for the, the new season. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to be a guy that going to be the focal point of your offense. Rather evident with a guy coming off of a sixty-one goal season, but you're going to need him to pretty much be driving play. If he either takes a step back or injuries, what have you, uh hit with him, then all of a sudden you're in a spot where you're—I don't even know where you are. You're like the a worse version of the islanders your your defense based on goaltending but you don't have enough firepower to really win you some of those tight contests so um it's gonna be you know he's gonna be probably the most important player going into this upcoming season
1: yeah and uh, i didn't realize the stat until i saw it on the nhl network the other day 34 more goals than anybody else in the bruins last year for poster which really (laughs) illustrates just how much he carried them offensively at times last year and i think it's could be an even wider gap uh, this year. Yeah. Maybe not because Martian's, you know, a year and a half, two years removed from the double hip surgery. And maybe <laughs> he'll have a little more, uh, you know, oomph to score goals than he did at points last year when he went through uh, some Valley scoring wise. Um, I've asked everybody um, that's been on the last, I don't know, month or so, uh, this question. Um, and you, this may be a loaded question for you because of your BU ties. Oh. Uh, but but who do you see as the um, – who's going to wear the C uh, for the Boston Bruins and why? Uh, I, I've long held that I think it's Marchand, should be Marchand. He's the logical choice. He's the only holdover, if you don't count Milan Lucic, coming back from the 2011 yeah. Stanley Cup team. He's the only guy that's won. Uh, he certainly will feel, I think, the the most responsibility and the most accountability to carry on the mantle – that Patrice Bergeron, uh, the leadership mantle that he had and carry on everything that Patrice Bergeron built here. Um, I, I think a lot of guys would take that seriously, but I think Martian would take it most seriously and and take it most to heart. Um and take it most seriously. So that would be my guy. But uh, you know, obviously McAvoy's a candidate. Posternak, I think de- certainly deserves consideration and a lot of discussion. I think all three of them are going to wear letters regardless uh, mm-hmm. of who gets the captaincy. And maybe it's going to be overplayed a little bit, who gets the C, because they're all going to be equal leaders uh in most respects. But uh, who do you believe is the captaincy and and where do you think the Bruins are uh are leaning in that direction?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously a guy like McAvoy makes plenty of sense long term, but I think when you look at just the, the state of this team and the the kind of the era they're in now where they're transitioning from this two decades long, uh, you know, luxury of having a guy like Bergeron and Char and these guys are such, you know, commanding presences in the, in the dressing room to still have that kind of last piece there with Marchand in terms of being that, that bridging that those kind of differing eras you're in kind of now, I think that's really important. As you said, he's still a guy that if anyone was going to take seriously the, The mantle and the responsibility of learning from, of, you know, being that next guy after Bergeron and carrying on that tradition. It's a guy who's kind of been stapled to his hip in Marchand over the years, right? Like, this is a guy that I think takes that very seriously, will always be the first one to tell you how much Bergeron means to him and the impact he's had. And I think he's a guy that, um, you know, even look at, you know, previous dev camps, usually it's Marchand, it's the guy who's talking to these guys about what they need to do, uh, you know, follow by example. Workout in the gym, all, all these things that, you know, I think he's a guy that can kind of lead the way in that regard. He's an emotional leader, but has a you know, I think Bruce Cassidy is the one always mentioned why he's a natural fit for a leader because he holds everyone to a very high standard. And as you're this Bruins team, that's kind of going into the unknown with this uh, post Bergeron Creci era. I think having a guy who's been there, done that, it's been part of this era has more or less been Bergeron's understudy for over a decade now. I think having him uh, as the C, I think is, the important kind of next step there, and yes, he's he's thirty five. Who knows how long he'd have that for? But Kucherov right. also wore the the C for three years too. Like in terms of I think what that role is and that responsibility as you're you know wading into this next chapter of the Bruins, uh, I think having a guy like him as that commanding authority still makes the most sense. Uh, McAvoy and Pasternak they will get their chances as they're not going away anytime soon. But I think for right now in this moment, I think Martian's the you know far and away best choice there in that regard.
1: Yeah, and and look, uh, to your point, McAvoy, his time is going to come to where the yes. see. There's no question about it. I think Martian's only signed for like two years uh, this year, yeah. next year, I believe. So, like, yeah. he probably is not going to play beyond that. You know, Maybe. I'm not going to count him out. Maybe, you know, he's one of those, like, they're going to have to rip the shirt off my back kind of guys mm-hmm. as far as retirement goes. But, like, he's going to be 36, 37 at that point. Like, that, you know, he that may be it for him. And then the C the goes on to somebody else after that, so we're not talking about a long term uh captaincy here. I just think the natural uh way of things would be Bergeron passing to Marshan, then Marshan passing to Posternak or McAvoy. Uh, and let's like full disclosure, let's be honest about uh Marshan. Like 10 years ago, would we have ever entertained yes. him being captain material for the Boston Bruins? No way, like he's obviously mm-hmm. grown up, evolved, matured, learned from Patrice Bergeron. I think a lot of what Bergeron has naturally has rubbed off on Martian and kind of brought him uh, more to center from when he was way out uh, (laughs) being a radical uh, uh, poopster uh, for large portions of his career. Uh, And he's gone away from that to, to a large degree because I think he realizes how much it hurts the team um and he wants to be a team guy so like that part of it you know is obviously there now where he's matured into that sort of role and being considered i think some people made completely discount him immediately because they look at his past and say how can this guy be captain when he's done you know been suspended a billion times had to write over a million dollars in game checks to the nhl for suspensions and fines like all that stuff Lick the guys look the guy's face twice like all that stuff um but, I also think there's another part of it, too, where, like I think there was some wariness maybe earlier in his career that he was almost too hard on the young guys mm-hmm. and that he was, you know, not as patient with them as they were coming up and trying to break in. And I think that's changed, too. Add to your point, yeah. coming in and talking to the guy uh, the younger guys, the prospects of development camp, I think as he's gotten older, he's gotten better about that and sort of walked the line of like being demanding and accountable. Uh, And making holding everybody else accountable, but also understanding that like you can't be too hard on young guys that are still sort of building themselves up and and breaking in and sort of like going away from a little bit of the old school. Like you know you're gonna you're gonna have to prove to us that you've earned it, and then we'll ease up on you a little bit. So like that's a huge component to being captain too, is is to integrating young players, creating that welcoming dressing room that Patrice Bergeron has really uh, created over the years, and Zdeno Chara too, who like would not have hazing did not even want to use the word rookie was really good about that stuff. So I I think in some ways too, like people's perceptions, some people's perceptions have to change about Marshand a little bit and finally evolve the way the players evolve to view him as captain material, which like people like you and I that have been around him, you know, for a long duration and have been in the dressing room, understand and see every day how much of a leader and sort of a captain kind of guy he is to begin with anyway
0: yeah exactly and it's one of those things where i feel like if he gets named captain most of the vitriol will probably come from i feel like it's like toronto, toronto. and these other oh, markets course. yeah that's where it'll of come course. from and i think for, for brunson's the only possible hang it was probably just that argument of like a you know, long term like should you give it to him over magua well, that's the only argument i could see like brunson's having which if you want to you know focus on that you can i still think it's kind of a non-issue but i i think martian in terms of Leading by example, how good he is working with younger players. Like I feel like the thing that always sticks out with me with Martian When you talk about you know a guy that gets called up from Providence or a younger player that has a really good game or two. Like last year, he even talked about a guy like Lauco. I think for him, we're coming from his kind of career trajectory of being this guy that was kind of a grinding player, started on the fourth line and kind of built his way up. I think he has he knows what patience is needed. He identifies what guys who are really committed to working on their craft need to do to take that next step. Like every time you talk to him about these younger players, I always feel like he has a very patient, you know, fresh perspective on that. I think you kind of need that for especially this team that is probably going to have to show out a lot of patience for some of these younger players. They try to carve out roles uh, in this lineup. So I think he's a guy that really makes a lot of sense in terms of being that uh, kind of that conduit of leadership for these younger players who are hopefully making that next jump up to the NHL ranks this upcoming season.
1: All right. Before we get to the Twitter question of the week, uh, which is a new segment I completely just invented here in this episode, if you'd be proud, you you're on for the birth of this uh, Connor. Thank uh, you, Joe. Twenty fourth episode, I believe, of the Bucks with Hags podcast. Uh, anything that you're working on? Anything that you're hot about? Anything you want to talk about? Uh, Bruins or NHL related? Um, you know, that's kind of been on your mind that you haven't really been able to talk about. Uh, you know, on a podcast or anything else. Uh, right at this second. In the in the complete dead portion of the uh, NHL offseason, where everybody's at their cottage and still like uh, going <laughs> yeah, to I mean, was, soccer games and partying it up right now before captains' practice opens.
0: Yeah, you know it's been a, a slow part of the summer. And I think my most exciting thing last week I went to the Savannah Bananas game in Brockton. <laughs> that was that was the highlight of my of my week, Joe. So it's nice. been pretty slow. I think for me, yeah. the The only other thing is just looking ahead to. Next season, people want to look at the fact that the Bruins have a whole bunch of cap space, have a lot more, you know, fiscal flexibility to hopefully aggressively retool with a pretty solid foundation you have with this team, especially defense, goaltending, what have you. Um, I also think Jake DeBrusque is the other, you know, big piece that not only for next year in terms of whether or not you want to extend him and you look at just what Brendan Hagel got, that could be a barometer of what you probably have to pay, uh, pay him if you want to retain him long term. But he's a guy that. Yep. You you view Pasternak, he's going to be the conduit of your offense. But I think you have to see whether or not a guy like Jake DeBrusque at the wing without, you know, a set proven top line uh, center kind of driving play with him, whether he can be a guy that can drive play because he's a guy, you look at his skill set and when he's on, he's driving to the net and he's generating high danger looks, grade A chances. He should be a guy that kind of whoever you put with him, if he's playing his game, should generate chances. Like if Nick Ritchie, who can kind of just park himself in the net front, can fall backwards into 15 goals a season. You think Jake <laughs> DeBrusque with how aggressive he is can be a guy that can consistently give you 30 goals regardless of where you put him into the lineup. So yeah. as much as I think people look at the new additions, like what Luci can do in a fourth line role, what Morgan Geek can do with more minutes, JVR, what he has left in the tank. I think internally of guys who are coming back, DeBrusque is, I think going to be a key piece because I think we know Pasternak, you can pencil him in for at least 40 goals. I think he's that good of a player. You can have that expectation. DeBrusque, is this going to be where he breaks through with 30 goals? And if so, can he do it kind of off of his own merit as opposed to maybe being a, an important piece of a line with Martian and Bergeron? I think if you get another step forward from him in his game, not only will it, one, get him a really nice contract, it goes a long way towards giving you another at least proven offensive conduit on this team that is lacking that kind of proven goal-scoring touch beyond a guy like Posternock right now.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think we did see... Um progression from him last mm-hmm. year as far as consistency as far as going hard to the net as far as you know trying to do things even when the puck wasn't going in or he wasn't necessarily generating as much as you thought he should where he would be more of a factor and like I there were times I saw him like taking the body on four checks and mm-hmm. you know competing harder for pucks in those sort of situations where you know under Cassidy the last few years it was fly by city every single time. um sure. and that was good to see. And I think that is a sign that maybe he's continuing to get to that place. And, you know, but there's no doubt that, like, given their when they traded Taylor Hall, everybody else on wing that has talent and, and offensive ability, that was a sign, a bad signal to them. Like, you're gonna need to step up and produce a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because there's gonna be, you know, th- there's there's only so many guys that have 30 goal potential. Uh, on the wing on that team on that roster right now as we speak you know it's Marchand it's it's and it's it's um Posternak obviously and i think when you get beyond those guys i don't i don't see 30 goal potential out of any of those other guys um so yeah he definitely needs to step up i mean and, and financially their motivation is there right like you know right. it's it's right there in front of him if he can really step up and produce either the bruins or somebody else uh, are gonna pay and pay big time uh for his services. So you know last year I looked at as a step in the right direction for him, but there's no question he's a big X factor guy uh going into this year and a guy that they're gonna need to to drive play a lot, especially if Pavel Zaka or Charlie Coyle uh is your number one center. Um all right uh cosmicdad.eth is the Twitter account and his question is is there even room for Alex Chason on this roster, they really don't want to give Lauco, Steen, McLaughlin, Beecher, Lysel, etc., a chance. eh? And you could, you know, and look that I, I found it funny when we were in Nashville talking to Cam Neely, talking to Don Sweeney. And Cam, I remember at one point is like, Hey, maybe this is the year we just need to look pass it over to the rookies, you know, or pass it over <laughs> to the young guys. Uh, you know, talking about like the the salary cap and the difficulties they were gonna have and, and all this other stuff and trading Taylor Hall. Um, but it was obvious they had a game plan. They were bringing in a bunch of veterans. They knew what they were doing. It was kind of that, you know, that cheaper smile on their face, like, uh, the treasure cat smile. Like they knew they had a game plan in mind and they were not going to hand anything off to any of these young guys. Loco, I think will probably be on this team. Like I think yeah. he proved last year that he can play in the NHL level. That he can certainly play like a fourth line role. And that I think there's still growth. I think there's room to grow. Yeah. Especially offensively in his skill set wise and the way that he plays. I, I think he's one of those guys that has upward mobility from you know being a fourth line guy. But beyond that, these other guys, Steen McLaughlin, Beecher, Lysel, uh, etc., uh, Mikulov, the the other guy that we talked about a little bit earlier, um, I, I don't want to hand it over to these guys. I don't want to pencil in these guys into the NHL roster to start the year and say, we're putting all our, our eggs in this guy's basket, and this guy is is it. And, you know, and if he's not it, we're going to start shuffling this carousel of young players in until we find somebody uh, that can do it. That's not the way the Bruins have ever done it. That's not the way they want to do it. They want to bring in an NHL player that's proven that they can do it in the past and has the pedigree. And force that young guy to push them out and to earn the spot like Kim Neely and Don Sweeney were NHL players. They understood that that was what it was like when they were an NHL player is you're not going to win a spot until you've beaten out a veteran for that spot and earned it in training camp, earned it in the season, whenever. And that's the the natural sort of cycle of life uh, in the NHL. And they want to continue that with the Bruins, and they've done that, and I think that's the right way to go. I don't want to hand it to anybody that's a young player unless they've already proven, like Leuco has at the NHL level, that he's earned it. And it seems that they continue to do it that way. So I know there's tons of Bruins fans that DevCamp rolls around, they get all excited about the prospects, mm-hmm. and like, you know, look – I love Riley Duran as much as anybody else. Very good player. I think he's going to be an NHL player, but like we're talking about guys that are in college guys that are 18 years old. Some of them, like we're talking about guys that are light years away from the NHL. And I went back and went through every dev camp roster for like the last 12 years or whatever. And there's at max like four or five guys that make the NHL from those dev camps. And that's it. And a lot of them you never hear or see from again. So, um, I don't want there to be room on the roster for these guys. And I'd rather load up and have insurance policies like Alex Chasen and then have these guys have to force them out to get their job.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the point of the, we're in the dog days of the summer hags, right? Where it's you look and people are, are mapping out their lineups. And of course, they want to pencil in a guy like Merkulov in a, a middle six role of being like a guy that you hope can give you 40 points out of nowhere and building off of that or, Johnny Beecher, who's really kind of struggled to put it all together in Providence, man. If he gets going to the NHL level, you got your four seeded future there. It's again, it's it's one thing to hope these guys can take that step forward, but they got to prove it. And I think, as you said, if you're the Bruins and you're looking at, you know, leaving no stone unturned, having these veterans in place uh, not only gives you an insurance policy, but it also puts the onus on these younger guys to prove it. And I think uh, Lauko is a perfect example, right? I think going to camp last year. I don't think anyone penciled him in. I do almost like he no. was one of those guys that seemed like his time in Providence had peaked and was kind of on his way out. You know, like, all right, we kind of know he's a good skater. We'll see what he can kind of bring. But he well, even it,
1: like, when he was on the opening night roster, I think, or uh, the NHL roster start the year. I think we all kind of looked at each other. Like, what is this like a salary right. cap thing? Why is this guy right. here? Like, I don't understand mm-hmm. this, right. uh, but you, you saw what you ended up seeing what the Bruins saw over the course of games and over the course of his time. And came to realize okay, they absolutely saw him popping in camp and outplaying these other guys, and that's why he's here now. And he and he showed it, and we finally caught on to what the, the Bruins had been saying right. throughout training camp.
0: Right. And so yeah, if you're the Bruins, and yeah, if you are high on a guy like Merkulov and he has, you know, more offensive ceiling than maybe other guys in your system. But if he doesn't, you know, show that during preseason action or is a guy that still needs time. I mean, I feel like the, the book on Merkulov, we even talked about it, it was like the running theme of Dev Camp. Last summer, where it was everyone talking about how good offensively he was. Every single coach we talked to was like, good to work on his defensive game, which yeah. like, I didn't see how he was that first year in Providence. It must have been outrageous because I don't know what he was doing in the D zone that, that had everyone talking about that. But he's an unfinished product. And that's what you expect from some of these younger players. So if you can put it all together and make a, a sustained push during camp and during preseason action, great. Like you'll take that if you're the Bruins. It's a good problem to have if these younger players are pushing out these veterans you brought in as well, but it should never be a situation. Unless you're a team that is the bottom of the barrel is going to not be a realistic contender at all. Those are teams that can afford to throw a guy into the fire and have them learn on the fly and go through the, the bumps and bruises that come with adjusting to the NHL game. Bruins are still trying to field a competitive roster as They're trying to see what the right fit is for this team moving forward. And uh, putting a guy like Merkulov in the middle six at the start of uh, on October 11th, isn't the best in terms of putting him in the best spot to succeed. It's not putting your team in the best spot either. If you have this guy who's going to be a liability in the D zone is not feeling confident in his game. You know, I think that was the big thing with like Sanika who ended up not being like an NHL level player, but that's also a guy you don't want to throw into a role where he's overwhelmed is not feeling confident. and, And all of a sudden is finding himself kind of in a rut early on. If you're the Bruins, you want these guys playing at their best, Feeling confident, feeling poised, ready that they can take on an NHL role and just handing it to them, uh, going into camp. That's not the best way to do it at all.
1: So basically you're saying this ain't Arizona, Connor.
0: We're not just throwing young players into the mix and yeah, we're not playing at a arena smaller than a Ghana Sakani Forum. (laughs) No, we're not doing any of that stuff. Thank thank God. So
1: no, we're not playing in an arena named after mullets. That is definitely going not what's going on. It's a step forward, yes. Boston.com's Connor Ryan, thank you very much. I also want to thank uh, our sponsors, real quick, one more time, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, football season is upon us. Go to FanDuel.com uh, slash Boston and check them out. They will hook you up with uh, no sweat bets. Uh, and also, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, factor meals right here delicious put them in the micro for two minutes if you're still having a busy summer you're still running around taking kids to summer camp all that stuff uh this will get you a lunch or a dinner real quick thank you very much to factor meals connor this was fun let's do this again my friend
0: absolutely sounds like a plan
1: thank you buddy all right Uh, we'll see you at the rink thanks for listening to pucks with eggs podcast
0: clns media network is powered by fanduel sportsbook visit fanduel.com slash boston and start earning bonus bets When you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season.